Uh, today we're going to talk about briefly, we're going to talk about briefly the blessing of spiritual leadership. The blessing of spiritual leadership. Let's pray. Father, we thank you and honor you for the blessing of spiritual leadership. Ultimately, all leadership that's appointed comes ultimately from heaven. And we honor you and lift you up that through your strength and through your grace, you set up authorities and systems that are committed to working the glorious grace of Jesus Christ into the lives of your people today. And as we hear this word today, uh, as we get a full-bodied picture of us not skipping a, a, a section of Scripture, but going through everything, help us to be encouraged by the power that comes through the transformational strength that Jesus Christ brings. And I pray that you would open hearts and minds today um, where there would be challenge. Open, open, open up people who haven't been open to the local church in a long time. Uh, some people in here struggle with the church and with church leadership, and I pray that you'd break that stronghold today in Jesus' mighty name so that they can be open to all that you have for them, Lord. And let the words of my mouth uh, and the meditations of my heart be acceptable in your sight, O God, our strength and our Redeemer in whom we trust. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Everybody agree with that said? Amen. Amen. You may be seated. You may be seated. Uh, We've been going through 1 Corinthians line upon line and precept uh, upon precept. And one of the things, as, as I go through uh, books, when we do book studies on Sunday morning and, and, and book proclamation, you don't get to skip anything. Uh, you can, but, it, but it's not good because Jesus said, uh, uh, heaven and earth will pass away before every jot and tittle of the slightest stroke of the hand of the word of God will pass away. And so our desire is to dive into and be shaken and challenged to have everything God has for you. How many of you want everything God has for you? How many of you would say that? I want everything God has for me. That's what's up. So let's dig in. So what, what, what today uh, our, our message reminds me of is, is when I went to undergrad and then went to grad school. Uh, and, and, and because in, in high school, you know, you get who you get as a teacher. You just get who you get. But when you go to, when you go to college and, and grad school and beyond, post-grad, you, you kind of get to choose who you take. And, 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 and so one of, uh, some of us, and I'll say me because I know, ain't gonna, you know, we're on the midst of, but uh, some of us or me would pick the easiest professors. You know what I'm saying? You kind of get a poll from people who've gone before you of who to take and who not to take. And whoever going to put your educational experience on blast, you was, you was trying to whiz past them. But what would happen is, is if registration went crazy and, 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 and you couldn't register for who you really wanted to register for, then what would end up happening is, is you'd have to take who's left. And sometimes the hardest people are the ones that are left last. And, I'm, and when I talk about hard, I'm not talking about people that are just hard for no reason. You know, there are people that can just be professors that can be hard for no reason. But I'm talking about hard with a purpose. And, and as I look back on my journey of those professors, uh, they gave me some class I had 5,000 pages of reading per class. Um, and, and I was like, what the, you know what I'm saying? I'm just lost. I'm reading commentaries from cover to cover, which weren't meant to be read. They were meant to be referenced. And so I can, I can, I can you know, I can, I can remember like asking, why are we translating the book of Romans twice? Why am I translating all the Gospels? Why am I translating all these Psalms, Obadiah, and translations and all of these different things? Um, but but little, did, little did I know that all of those things, as I look back, were some of the best experiences I remember were the people who gave me the hardest time. 
the people who gave me the hardest time and who worked with me and developed me into what I need to be were really the best situations. And now I don't view them as an obstruction to my development. I actually view them as a blessing and a grace to where I am. I wish I had some help right there. How many of you know that some of the best people in your life are the people that love you enough to tell you off? Oh, y'all ain't talking back to me. Uh, uh, you, you need some people in your life that's not just making it hard just to be hard, but, but, but there's some things that you won't get because biblically in principle, it's true. The saying of man is true in principle in the scriptures. No pain, no gain. And, 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 so, and so as we dive into this text, uh, we see that Paul is about to drive home some challenging things in the upcoming chapters to talk in our series that we've been talking about, It's Time to Grow Up. Somebody say, It's Time to Grow Up. And, and as he's calling the Corinthian church to mature in every single sector of their lives, he's going to, he, this is a precursor to the challenge so that he can work with them in their teachability so that they can receive in the other specific areas that he's going to challenge this messy, yet God called uh, an elected church that's just as much of a mess as many of us are. And in God's love, he sends the apostle there to pastor them through their challenges, which brings me to my first and only point in this message on the blessing of spiritual leadership. I got one point at one point only today. If you're going to walk in spiritual leadership or under spiritual leadership, you must recognize that spiritual leadership cares more about your growth than they do your comfort. Spiritual leadership cares more about your growth than they do your comfort. He says here in the passage, um, uh, 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 to begin it off, to kind of uh, tether what he was about to say without taking the punch out of it, he says, I do not write these things to make you ashamed. I like this because, because one of the things that Paul is trying to help them to mature into is how to receive a hard word from God. I, I, I could have named the message that, how to receive a hard word from God. We could wait, wait on that. We may have to think through that. But how to receive a hard word from God. Listen, every, see, when he says admonish, I mean, when he says uh, shame, they lived in an honor-shame culture. And in an honor and shame culture, you had to, you, in, in their times, honor and shame means your persona or, or who people viewed you were was very, very important to you because even if it wasn't true, it became your identity to others. And so what can happen in, for Paul in talking to them in an honor and shame culture is I can talk at you but not talk to you and really deal with your issues. In other words, he's, Paul is saying, I can shout you until Jesus come back. But he said, I don't just want to shout you, I want, I, I, and, but I want you to recognize that what I'm about to say, even though it's hard, I don't want you to let it shame you. And because many times, many of us who are not used to hearing any hard words from anybody, we take it hard to heart, not recognizing that the hard word for us is the best word for us. And, 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 so, and so Paul loved them enough to not just, because every message can't be a change is coming. Every blessing can't be, every, every message can't be, you about to come into your season. Listen, listen, many times people lie to the congregation because the sermon is more about how people respond to them versus God's people responding to God's word. And, 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 so, and, so, and, so, and so Paul, Paul being more concerned about how he feels, because the, the most sensitive time for a preacher is after a preacher finishes. Am I right, Pastor Larry? After you preach, you want to know that you wreck it for Jesus. You know, well, for you, really. 
Um, and, and, but, 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 but when you, well, when God burns your heart towards what your, what, what, what your image being conformed to Christ's image, you have to tether your desire because most of us, most of us want um, the church built around our personal preferences versus God's biblical principles. And, 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 so, and, so, and so what has to happen is, and, and you got to be very, very careful of this when we're talking about the idea of admonishing and correction, because most of us choose uh, based on our entitlement to what we think we should be getting. But what God wants us to do is he said, I want you to open up your mind and I want you to open up your life to being jammed up every now and then. You, 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 and, and so as Paul is admonishing them and challenging them not to be shamed, what, one of the beautiful things about the word ashamed, what's powerful about it, is that Jesus Christ in Hebrews, it says that he despised the shame of the cross. In other words, he didn't allow people's view. It took a lot of strength on the cross for people to talk crazy to you, but you not live and react based on them talking crazy to you because he knew what he was dying for and who he was dying for. He was dying to absorb the wrath of God, and he was dying to get us a relationship with God. But if he left the honor-shame culture get to him, he would have got down off the cross. But I'm so glad today that he didn't let people's view of why he died make him get off the cross, but he stayed up on the cross and held himself there and waited until his time was up to get off the cross, to, to give himself by God's grace and to, his, uh, to the Spirit of God. And so I'm excited about that. that Christ, when people said uh, he, he saved others, why can't he save himself? He stayed on the cross. He says he's talking to Elijah. He was misunderstood, talked about. And, and, and let me just tell you something. What's beautiful about Christ is he's experienced everything we've experienced, yet without sin, but he took on our sin. Now, Isaiah 53 says that he bore our griefs. What is that grief? That means he's our expiation. Expiation means that Jesus Christ died so that we won't feel the guilt of our sin. Now, there's a difference between con uh, 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 condemnation and there's a, th there's a difference between that and conviction. Now, what he wants them to be in here is convicted. You should get convicted. Sometimes you shouldn't leave shouting. I'm by myself. Y'all ain't got to talk back. I'm going to preach it anyway. Sometimes you shouldn't leave shouting. Sometimes you should leave ready to put on some sackcloth and ashes. Sometimes sometime you should leave. You, sh you should leave wanting to just pray. Sometimes in the car, you and the family shouldn't even just talk. You and your buddies, like, hey, what we going to Man, I don't even want to talk to you right now, man. I just need to go somewhere off into some closet or something and talk to the master. And every now and then that needs to happen. See, 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 when you love Jesus, see, I don't like when people correct me. I'm just going to be straight up with you. I don't like it. So, so what I do is I put up that wall first. But what happens is, is as I grow in Christ, I recognize that they're speaking for my good. And when people are speaking for your good, you're more open to that reality of what they need to say to you. So he said, I'm not here, I'm not here uh, to shame you, make you ashamed, but I'm here to make you walk in the conviction that leads to change. It's very important for you. You need conviction that leads, if you're in condemnation, that's from the devil. Condemnation makes you take on your own sin. Conviction makes you turn to Jesus to deal with your sin. There's a big difference. There's a big difference between the two. And so that's the, that's the dichotomy 
that Paul is wanting them to walk in in relation to the fine line between conviction and condemnation. Because the Bible says there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. So we're not ashamed anymore. But he said, I came that I may admonish you. I like that. Now the word admonish is the word nutheo where we get our word nuthetic from, or people use for nuthetic counseling, which means pure Bible counseling, okay? Now, when he's using this, the word admonish here literally means to advise you out of mess. I like that. It, 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 it means to advise and counsel people so that they can be strengthened to change. It, it, it's, it's, it's beautiful. It, 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 means to, it, means to, it means to be counseled in such a way that you want to cease what you're doing. And not only cease what you're doing, but avoid what you're about to do. Y'all ain't hearing me today. And see, that's good, that's good preaching right there. It's good preaching to know that, that, that the Word of God, when it's given by spiritual leadership, is not just for you to feel better and the reputation for... A, see, we got too many preachers with good preaching reputations. I, I, forget about a preaching reputation. I'd rather have a changed reputation. Wish I had some help. I, 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 want, I want to have some preaching where, where, where people say, people's lives are changed. Is he a good orator? I don't know. But every time God uses him, lives are changed. That, 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 see, I want, I want admonishment. I, I, I'm going to have to stand before God and give an account for what I said to you and where your life went. Listen, listen, you can, you can listen to all of the stuff you want to. It, it, the people, there are people out there that wouldn't, and, you, and I'm not cult leading or anything, but listen, listen to books, you go to podcasts, all that, that's dope. But they don't have to give an account for your soul. Shepherds have to. Who, and we're going to talk about that in a second. Help me today, God. But admonishing is very, very important because you need some people in your life that love you for God's good and love you enough to sometimes tell you that you stink. See, those of us who don't like confrontation, we avoid admonishing community. In other words, you, you, when, when you see the person that's going to jam you up coming your way, you try to make a beeline towards the opposite direction that they're coming. I'm not talking about somebody that's always trying to depress you in the change. Like, something's always, like the people that something's wrong with everything all the time, and they, J- J- Jesus ain't even a God of joy. I ain't talking about the depressed, you know, philosophy of theology. I'm talking about the people that's really encouraged to challenge you where you need to be. And that's what Paul is saying. Paul says, I'm not here to, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not here to make you ashamed. I'm here to admonish you because I have a vested issue. He said, I'm, I want to admonish you as beloved children. I love that. I love the fact that he says, as beloved children. That means that he has a vested interest in their spiritual development as a parent to a child. And and, and so so that's very, very important for us to recognize as Paul talks to them and as you walk as believers under spiritual leadership. Amen, somebody. But, but But then he says, he says, for though you have countless guides. It's interesting. He said, you do not have many fathers. He says, for I became a father in Christ Jesus through the gospel. This is dope. Now, what, is he, what he's saying here is that but one of the things that Paul would do is he would come into a spot and he would chop it up with them between a year to three years unless persecution break out. If persecution broke out, then he dipped and wrote a letter or sent some dudes in secret to kind of chop it up with them because he had a vested interest in their spiritual growth. But as he talks about himself, he's talking about himself as a spiritual father. Now, as he talks about this idea of spiritual father, he, he's basically pointing to himself as the people that led them to Christ, but not only a person that leads you to Christ, but a person that's pioneering God's truth in their life. 
That, 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 means, that, means, that, that, that means that in every local church, that there, there is a pioneering of God's truth to the soul of God's people. When I say pioneering, what I mean by that is God is using that spiritual leadership to break new ground communication-wise in your soul. So, 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 that, so that means you may read, you may go ahead and all of that, but, but at the end of the day, you're in a place in your life where you're under spiritual authority. Now, let me just park right there. M- many of us, and I understand we've been hurt by the church and all those different things, but many of us are not under any type of spiritual authority. And the challenge of us is, is we live in an age where people want to accumulate themselves, teachers in accordance with their own desires. Wanting to have their ears tickled, they turn their ears from the truth and turn their ears towards a lie. Second Timothy chapter four. And so what I want to say, the spirit explicitly says that people will fall away from the faith, paying attention to deceitful doctrines, uh, deceitful spirits and doctrines of demons as by means of lies seared in their own conscience as with a branding iron. In other words, you need to be covered by spiritual leadership. Now, what I'm saying today is don't get, now you, some of y'all, y'all antennas went up because you think I'm about to develop a cult philosophy of leadership, which means if it don't come from me, then, you know, then it don't, that's not what I'm talking about. So come back. Just make sure we, let's, let's work with the book. Don't be like, you know, here he go. I knew it was coming. He going to try to control my, nah, I, I, I done got to the point, pastor, you know what I, you know I am? I'm going to just tell you right now, in, in Jesus' mighty name, I'm going to tell you the truth and sit back and watch you walk in it. You know why? I ain't going to try to control how you walk with God. I'm just going to tell you how to. Now, what are you, what I, what, now what, what we, when we began the Epiphany Fellowship, one of the things that we went is we went the other direction. We became so non-traditional that we took the authority out of leadership. You know, and so, and so I had to get used to, you know, I, had, I, 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 had to, I didn't realize that what I was creating is an environment of buddies, not a community of growing sheep. In, 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 other, in, other, in other words, people, but people want a buddy because if you're my buddy, what you say is optional. So, 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 so I'm reading these books and they're talking about, well, this generation's different and this generation doesn't look to the hierarchical philosophy of authority and what they need is someone who they can walk shoulder to shoulder with to, to not be an authority but equal functionally with. And that's nowhere in the Bible. See, 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 because most of us can only follow somebody if it looks like they're following me too. <laughs> see, see, but being on a spiritual leadership means I get under and I'm willing to submit myself to spiritual authority. It doesn't mean you're controlled, but it means you're trained to be mature. You better hear the word of God today. God is trying to, and that's what Paul's trying to get God's people. He's talking about the reason why your maturity is off is because you view, you view spiritual, uh, uh, spiritual authority wrongly. And many of us have had church hurt and things that happened to us, and we kind of have a dating relationship with the church, and we sort of have a special appearance relationship with the church. We, we have sort of a, you know what I'm saying? You know what I'm saying? You, you know, we got that. But, but that's not the biblical understanding of what it means to be in connection with spiritual leadership. And so he's calling them to get under, not get beside. That, that's what he's saying. And he said, you got countless guides. 
He said, I ain't mad at guys in Christ. He said, you can have uncles that come in and give you candy, you know, and spoil you. But when I come back, it's going to be back to business as usual. You know what I'm saying? And so, and so the spiritual authority of the leaders of this church are to be spiritual fathers. That means, I don't care if you get mad at me, the leadership of the church are, have a parenting role to everybody from the youngest Christian to the oldest Christian. There is a parenting, spiritual parent role that happens as leadership takes on a, not, a, not paternalism, but a paternalistic commitment. To, listen, when I look at my sons, I want them to grow. You know what I'm saying? You know what I'm saying? Me and my wife always go back and forth because she's like, oh, I'm hating that he's getting in this season and he's not going to be in my lap that long. And all that. I said, bang, I'm ready for him to grow up. You know what I'm saying? You know, they boy, it probably, if we had a girl, it'd probably be different. I know if we had a girl, I'd be like, I'd be like, baby, just, you know. But, but I got boys. I got boys. So I'm like, ah, that, that, that's it. That's it. No sleeping. Nope. Nope. You can't. In other words, I, 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 want, I, I, want, I want them to become men. Uh, and so my, my position as a parent is not to coddle them for the rest of their life. Help me today, God. See, some of us come to church to get coddled, not conformed. You, you, every Sunday going to be an organ and some hollering or just some, you know, everything's going to be all right. Jesus loves you and has a plan for your life. And he's, sometimes it's going to be change. And that's what the power of the gospel, he said, you got countless guides. And so, and so, and so he said, all right, he said, he said, you do not many have fathers because, he said, because I, for I become your father in Christ Jesus through the gospel. Through the gospel. Now, 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 now as he's talking about this, he's pointing to it through the, he said, I'm not your birth parent. So you don't treat spiritual leadership like a birth parent. And in a fatherless generation, that can tend to be the challenge. There's a difference between father through the gospel or mom through the gospel and parent. Like if you weren't parented when you grew up, relate to leadership as a spiritual parent, not a paternal parent. Okay? 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 Because if you miss that paternal age, what begins to happen is you want paternalism when you need grown folks ministry. Oh, God, help me today. Help me. Oh, I got to move on. I got to move on. Help me. Verse 16. He said, I urge you. Then be imitators of me. Love this. Now, over and over and over again in the New Testament, you'll hear this word imitator, right? And, and one of the things Paul will say in 1 Corinthians 11, one, he'll say, follow me as I follow Christ. In, in uh, Ephesians chapter 5, verse 1, he'll say, um, he'll, he'll, he'll say, he'll say, uh, 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 be imitators of God. In Philippians, I believe it is, chapter uh, 4, verses 9 and 10, it says, the things that you've learned and seen and heard in me, practice these things, and the God of peace shall be with you. Now, what is he saying? Now, what is he saying? He's not just centering himself on his, the whole of his life, being an imitator of him, but it's ultimately pointing to Jesus. Now, the important thing that leadership must do is point you to Jesus, not themselves. Now, the way that's done, Paul is talking about a cruciform philosophy of imitation. Now, when I say cruciform philosophy of imitation, I'm talking about a cross-centered, Christ-driven understanding of what it means to walk with Jesus Christ. So what, what, what do I mean by that? So, in, so, so the cross, that's why the cross is so important. And, and, and you know the DNA of the church of whether or not you hear the cross. If you don't hear the cross, if heaven does a paternity test, and there's no cross, you're not God's church, okay? 
Now, 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 what, what, what we need to understand is this, is that, is that the cross shapes everything. That's the reason why I have it in our song. It shapes everything. It shapes your view of sacrifice. Shakes your, it shapes your view of selfishness. It shapes your view of submission. It shapes your view of people talking about you and not finding your identity in people talking about you, but in who saved you. See, that's the beauty of the cross. That's why for the rest of the book, he's going to take them through a cruciform philosophy of life. In the next chapter, he's going to talk to a dude who got his, da- his, his dad's uh, mom, I mean, his dad's wife, flat out. And guess what he's going to talk to him about? The church, he's going to talk to them about a biblical understanding of discipline. Then he's going to talk to them about a, di- a, a biblical understanding of identity, a biblical understanding of judgment, a biblical understanding of a, a gospel-centered, a, a cross-centered understanding of marriage, a cross-centered understanding of singleness, uh, a cross-centered understanding of how you treat your past. Help me today, God. Uh, a cross-centered understanding of local gatherings. Then he's going to go through a cross-centered understanding of spiritual gifts. Then he's going to go through a cross-centered understanding of love. Then he's going to go through a cross-centered understanding of brokenness. How does the cross communicate everything? What is he saying? Imitate. Imitate the work of the cross. Imitate what the cross reflects. That's what he's calling you to. Life was never, that's what he's trying to tell them. He said, life was never, ever, ever meant to be built around you. And I'm sick of building the church around people. I'm sick of it. To, to help somebody to stay, let's say, no, we, no, you know, we love you and everything. Hallelujah. But you need to, listen, we can't create an environment where people see sacrifices just meeting them where they are. It's very, very important that you should always lose something if you're walking with Jesus. You li- listen, 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 listen. Everything is not going to be to your personal preferential standards. Listen, when you walk with Jesus and you walk a cruciform piece of life, you're going to deal with the pain of pruning in every season of your life. You're going to deal with the loss of something. But what I love about the cross is the cross isn't the end of the story. You can't give better than God because when you sacrifice, he raises you up better than you sacrificed. Y'all missed it. Somebody going to get that. But he said, I urge you as imitators, and he wants them to imitate and understand this cruciform philosophy of life. He said, that is why I sent Timothy. He says, my, be- he says, my beloved and faithful child in the Lord to remind you of my ways in Christ. I love this. So there's a way and disposition. He even tells the Ephesian church in about the fourth chapter, he says, you didn't learn Christ this way, right? Because there's a way, in other words, behavior, Christ-centered behavior, Behavior that, now, we're not talking about behavior modification. Ways in Christ is this, and this is what I love about the church, is, and that's what I love about being in Christ. Being in Christ's ways doesn't mean you make yourself Christ-like. And you don't obey in your own strength. I want you to get this today. You don't obey in your own strength. So you don't walk away saying, how much I do better, how can I, listen, no, 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 no. The way of the cross is to submit so that you're changed. By faith you do that. Not by trying to pull yourself up by your own bootstraps to do it. Because if you do it by your own bootstraps, by your own bootstraps shall you be sanctified. But the way of Christ is down, not up. Down goes to up. 
But even when you go up, up is different in God's eyes than it is man's eyes. Wish I had time. I'm just trying to let you know. It, it's such a different, it's so, it's so different because that, he's trying to get their mind to change so they'll value what God values. That's what spiritual growth is about. Spiritual growth is about I, I, I may not take all the money that I want from this particular position, but, but I'm going to stay here in this position that I'm in. Why? Because this affords my ability to live a comprehensive Christian life. If I take this position, then my life will be about work, not everything that my life. Work is a component of life. Work isn't my life. Okay, so that's what the, the cross, the ways in Christ teaches you those things. Yeah, I want to I wanna, I wanna beautify myself in looks, but I don't want to be preoccupied with my looks and, and not realizing that I need to be concerned about the hidden. This is just cross-centered things that he wants to understand. He says, as, he says, as I teach them everywhere in every church, I mean, that means the way of Christ is normal. A church, this church can be about foreign missions. This church can be about engaging politics. This church can be about church. This church can be about, you know, uh, a, a small groups or whatever. But at the end of the day, the DNA code better say Jesus. And so he said, I teach this in every church. He said, some are arrogant, though. And, and this was funny about the arrogant thing. Where arrogant means to inflate yourself into a place like you're somewhere where you're not. A- a- arrogance means to act like you have something that you don't have. And that's not the way of the cross, because the good thing about the cross is I don't have to make myself be anywhere. It, listen to this. Listen to this. You don't have to make yourself be anywhere. All you have to do is come where you are to the cross. And God makes a real you, not a fake you. So therefore, what's good about being in Christ is you can bring your mess to Christ. When you bring your mess to him, he, he, he doesn't allow you to have mess, and you create a costume or a mask that tries to oppose the real of where you are. Arrogance is when you put on a spiritual costume to act like you're somewhere you're not. The way of Christ says, God, I'm messed up. I'm a mess. I'm not there, and I'm coming to you just like I am. And he says, I've been crucified with Christ. No longer I that live. If you come to him, he'll crucify you. And it's painful. But when you resurrect, you'll be like him. But arrogant people can't be changed. Because arrogant people think their change is Jesus changing them. When it wasn't Jesus that changed you, it's you that put up a front. And so that's why he says some are arrogant. And I like what he says the other day. He said, he said, some, he said some are arrogant. He said, as I'm, he says, as though I were not coming to you. So he's talking some big, big time talk now. He said, I'm about to roll in. All right. He says, but I come to you soon if the Lord wills. And I will find out not the talk of those arrogant people, but their power. He said, I'm going to see how much gum bumping you do when I come. Every now and then the preacher got to talk crazy. You know what I'm saying? He said, when I come, let's see how much smack you talk when I come. And, and come in some power. Now, we're going to explain what power means. Because every now and then, you, you know, God got to show his power, right? Check it out. It says in verse 20, it says, the kingdom of God does not consist of talk but power. I like that. Uh, G- Jesus, Jesus, Jesus Christ, when he came on the scene, when Jesus came on the scene, he says, when, when people tried to say he cast out demons by Beelzebub, he said, he said, Satan can't cast out Satan. He said, if Satan cast out Satan, it's divided. He said, but if I cast out demons... 
by the power of God, the kingdom of God is among you. And so they, 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 didn't, they didn't understand that. It's because for him, the kingdom of God was a way and identity for the people of God to identify with who God is by the spirit of God. And so that's why Jesus wrecks shop. He comes in, he gets on top of the mind, he comes out, just got finished, getting tempted by the devil. God led him out there. Led him out to be tempted by the devil. He, 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 he won the fight that Adam lost in the wilderness. Then boom, he says there's some angels come ministers to him. He dusts himself off and he walks up on a mountain and starts preaching, okay? When he starts preaching, he starts off with the Beatitudes. Blessed are they. He's wrecking. You know what I'm saying? You're a city on a hill. You heard it said, but I say to you, just crushing cats. You know what I'm saying? I mean, you seek ye first the kingdom and all this righteousness, and all of these things shall be added to you. Cats was like, that's crazy. The other dudes was like, beware practicing your righteousness before me. I mean, he's talking about the boy. He killing. Then at the end, before he drops the mic, he picks up and he says, he says, he says, he says, if you build on sand, it's not going to work out. If you build on a rock, it's going to work out. Because the storms and winds come, you're going to be straight. Boom. That's what he said. Then he says after that, he says, whoever listens to these words of mine will be like the man who built his house on a rock. He drops the mic and walks off. The people say, yo, yo. Now, he didn't do one miracle. He didn't do, listen, he didn't do one miracle, but what did they say? He didn't, he didn't heal anybody, no demon cat. He didn't do nothing about it. What, what did it say? It said, what is this? A new teaching with power. Oh, my God. What, what, what does that mean? What does that mean? What does that mean? I ain't talking to y'all. I'm not going to talk. Doing no talk. Somebody said, I like your talk. I don't know what that even means, right? What does that mean? I like your speech. I help me, God, if I do a speech or a talk. You know what I'm saying? Because see, talk, but see, no one know what that is? That's us taking the power out of the authority of being jammed up by God's truth. <laughs> it's pre, I, I'm going to preach. Amen. And te- listen, listen, that's, that's what he said. He said, he said, I ain't coming to, he said, he said, I'm not coming to you in talk. I'm coming to you in power. And, 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 and what does he mean by that? He said, I'm coming because I want to see change when I proclaim to you. That's incredible. And that's what preaching is for. It's not for the puffing up of the preacher to make him feel better, that he's a great orator or a great Bible expositor or to shout people. And I don't mind people shouting. Y'all know I like to shout and bless the name of God. But, that, but it's not for me to walk away and have somebody pat on the back. At the end of the day, a life should be changed. That's what power is for. Power is for change. It's not for miraculous amusement. So that you can be, if you walk away from here, if you walk away from this church, you walk away from here, and all you come away with Eric Mason, we've lost. That's all you walk away with and all you want. And I'm just telling you, many of us here, that's what Paul says. When I come, he said, do I, do I come with the rod or do I come in love with the spirit of gentleness? You pick. I tell my sons that all the time. Which do you want today? We can make this a great day or we can make this a rough day. You know what I'm saying? And the rod is the club. It was a club. It was, and that's why David said, your rod and staff comfort me. Why? Because he got whipped with that rod, but he also got helped out when wolves came around to beat the wolves away from the sheep. Let me just tell you something. We shoot the wolves and we protect the sheep. Y'all looking at me crazy, ain't you? I, we, we verbally murder spiritually in a godly way. Whoever, whoever will seek to destroy God's church. 
and then we take the sheep and correct them and walk with them from spiritual infancy to spiritual maturity. But the problem, listen, let me tell you something. The problem with many of you guys is you're not a member anywhere. I'm going to leave you with this. I'm going to leave you with this. I'm going to leave you with this. And where's membership in the Bible and, you know, where's the spiritual authority? You know, I, 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 I've been hurt by the church. I done heard the hurt by the church. I don't want to hear that no more. Some of us are, 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 are spiritual nomads. And when I, listen, listen, you don't want to, you can be saved and that's great. Go to heaven and all of the pastors from past, present, and future are standing before Christ giving account for the people who were members that they actually vested their lives into. And it, 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 God forbid you get to heaven and no pastor mentions you. We have to give an account for your soul. And you need to get yourself under some spiritual authority. I'm sick of these serial attenders. I've been here two years. That don't bless me. Who are you in community with? Who have you allowed to admonish you that you'll submit to? Who's going to do your funeral? Who's going to do your wedding? You got to find a preacher. One more person come to me to do their wedding. Well, I know I'm not a member. No, get your butt in a local church and connect. Let me just tell you something. You can have the, the most vicious prayer life you want to have. You can have what you, anyway, um, you, you, you can have the most robust theological relationship with the Bible. But if you don't have God's people and God's shepherds, you're in trouble. You need to turn your mind from seeing spiritual authority. Because we, we're not, listen, let me just say you do. We're not here to create a cult. We're not here to control your life. But if we talk to you, we're going to shepherd you and love you. We're here to lead, feed, know, care, protect. Lead, feed, care, know, protect. Get under the local church today. It ain't even got to be a pivoting fellowship, a healthy church that you can get in so you can end the nomadic experience of your spiritual life. The idea of home church, that traditional language is beautiful language. Who doesn't want to be in a place where they're challenged and encouraged, where they put their hands to the plow and have hands put on them to move forward for Jesus Christ. Who doesn't want that? Who doesn't want a place where they call somebody their spiritual family? Who, who, how, do you, how are you a Christian and you're not con you don't like being connected to the church? What is that? I'm lost. I'm a Christian, but I'm nowhere. I haven't been anywhere. I'm lost. He changed you with affection. When the church is a mess, you are too. They ain't perfect. Well, that's why we're here. And listen, I'm going to just say this. I'm going to get out your way. But you need to bend your life. Some of us got so much clutter that doesn't allow us to have a spiritual life. I'm just telling you, you need to begin to be, be, be aware of your desperate need to restructure your life around the Spirit of God because, because and I understand, we're, bless God for all of that. I, I'm, not, I'm praying that one day you'll need God. 
And when you need God, you have to connect with everything that he gives to satisfy your needs until he returns. And many of our lives are left wanting because we, we haven't fully committed. Yeah, I've committed my life to Christ, but we're not connected to the church. And I just want to tell you today, spiritual authority is a blessing. I don't know where my life would be without James J. McCord. Reverend James J. McCord of Holland Park Baptist Church. I don't know where I'd be without him. And Joel Washington, Reverend Joel Washington, and Nat Obie, Dr. Tony Evans, Wayne Mitchell, Lafayette Holland, D.Z. Cofield. I can keep going. I can keep going. Crawford Loritz, I can keep going. So many unknown spiritual leaders who kicked me in my butt to help me to be a man. You need spiritual authority. And all of them didn't have full connection to spending day by day time. That's a, well, if I can't be day by day, that's not spiritual. That's an illusion. That's an illusion. He's not calling me every, that, that's an illusion. Like every, what's, what excuses? God is like, come on, y'all. It's time to be who God wants you to be. And there are th- and, and there things that God's not going to release to you until you forgive the church. He's not. He's not. And we're not those spiritual authorities you were under. We're not perfect. And, I'll rep- and my elders know and my leaders know that if I flunk, I'll repent. I'll come to you and admit it before the church. I'll admit, I'll tell, listen, but I, but I am not going to let my brokenness be an excuse for you to walk as a nomad. Listen, and it's time, by God's grace, to commit. Father, we thank you. Now honor you, bless you, thank you for the need to be who you've called us to be. Break us of our excuses and Help us to zoom lens on what it means to walk with you and live for you and to live in relationship with the church under, under, under spiritual leadership, under spiritual parenting where there's a vested interest and care for growth, change. And Lord, thank you, God, that you've blessed us here. I thank you for the people who you've helped to pass my way to pastor me and to spiritually parent me. People who cared enough, I'll never forget Joanne and Wayne Mitchell sitting me and my wife down and jamming us up about how we were functioning in our lack of relationship before we got married. And if they didn't care enough for us to say, y'all are going to be at our house today at 3 o'clock and y'all going to sit y'all butts down and listen to us. And I remember what they said to us. And I'm ever thankful for being parented. I remember when we lost our daughter and my pastor called and said, and prayed with me and gave me instructions on next steps and shepherding my wife 
through losing a child. Some of that wasn't even up close. Some of it was far off from just hearing the word of God in the gathering of the saints that changed the trajectory of my life. I'll never forget that, God. And God, help us not to treat the church and the leadership as if it's an option. But maybe you're here today and you're not in Christ. I know this message was primarily for believers, but a calling to be a part of the church first is a calling to be in a relationship with the head of the church, the great shepherd of our souls, the chief shepherd, the true senior pastor, the bishop of eternal life, Jesus Christ himself. If you're here today and you've never repented of your sin and turned towards the one who absorbed the fullness of the wrath of God on the cross that was deserved for those, that was deserved for those who, who were born with a sin nature and lived like Adam, rebelling against God like we all do. But God, being rich in mercy and love, sent his son to die on the cross to get the wrath and the rod like we should have gotten it so that we wouldn't have to experience separation from him forever. The great exchange is what we call it, family. So if you're here, slip your hand up in the air if you want to trust Jesus Christ as Savior today. If you want to put your, I see that hand. I see that hand over here. Thank you for slipping your hand up, sis. Yeah. Anybody else? Raise your hand. We can see it in the balcony on the floor. Anybody, you want to put your confidence in Christ. You want to put all of your trust. Not only, not only I, 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 I was raised in the church, not my, 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 my I was in the church every day because we went to church. No, that doesn't save you. Christ and Christ alone saves. So if you want him to be your substitution for the death that you should have got, slip your hand in the air. We love to take you from spiritual death to spiritual life. Talk to you about that through Jesus Christ. Well, maybe this sort of hits you today. You're in Christ, but it hits you because you know that you have walked in a rebellious sort of, I'm doing me sort of, man, this is not necessary sort of thing haven't been under some spiritual authority, and you want me to pray for you today, just stand to your feet. Just stand to your feet. Anybody that wants me to pray for them that says, yeah, I need to be reconnected with the local church. I need to be reconnected in a way that's vital and reflects. I see you up in the balcony. See you up in the balcony. Anybody else? I see you up in the balcony, all the people in the balcony. Yeah. I see you up here. Thank you, sis, for your boldness. Yeah. I see you ladies. Bless God for your boldness. I see you. 